Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and I have a very special co-host today, the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. Chairman Porter, welcome to the show today, and thank you for being my co-host. It's great to be here, Kim. I really appreciate you having me back. I always enjoy the opportunity to be in the oil patch. Well, Chairman Porter, we have a great lineup today. We have Dan Eberhardt, the CEO of Canary LLC, on the line. And you'll have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. Before we bring Dan Eberhardt onto the show, let's give some insight into your day in the life of the Chairman of the Railroad Commission. When we talk about the Railroad Commission, I think it's important to go back into history and look at the historical background where it came out of. It It really started in the late 1880s actually was officially organized in 1891. The Texas Railroad Commission was, as the name implies, at that time basically involved with the regulation of tariffs and railroad rates. Railroads were indeed the most important or one of the most important economic backbones of the state of Texas at that time. You had to get your crops to market. You had to get cattle to market, which were two of the big economic uh, backbones of the state of Texas. As time went on, they also started regulating some of the various transportation options such as trucking, even for a while bus lines, that that type of um, activity. In 1919, they decided they needed to regulate pipelines. That was kind of like transportation. They put the pipeline regulation in the Railroad Commission. Shortly thereafter, when they started regulating the oil and gas industry, they said, well, pipelines in the Railroad Commission will put the oil and gas uh, regulation into the commission. And that's kind of the historical genesis of how it all involved in. And a lot of times people say, well, Oil and gas really doesn't have much to do with railroads, so why did it go in the Railroad Commission? And to a certain extent, that's true, but if you really look at it from the importance of how important the oil and gas industry is to the state, how important the railroad industry was to the state in the 1890s, they're they're both really important economic backbones of the state's economy. So from that viewpoint, somewhat dissimilar, but yet very much similar as far as effect. Today, the Railroad Commission not only regulates the oil and gas industry, we also regulate the natural gas distribution companies, pipelines, pipeline safety, the coal mining industry in the state of Texas. People don't know that Texas has been the fifth. Last year, we sixth largest coal mining state in the nation. Also, we regulate the propane industry and some of the alternative fuels that are out there on the market today. So that's, in a, in a nutshell, what the Railroad Commission does currently. Well, you know, all of those different areas that, that uh, the three commissioners, because you all are one of three, 
are uh, important to do. But also, it's important to note that you guys are elected by the citizens of Texas. So therefore, the uh, citizens of Texas are y'all's bosses. And so they we, you know, elect you because we know that you guys will be good as far as making sure that everybody is doing what they should be doing pertaining to oil and gas or uh, pipeline or propane and other different uh, areas that you guys are responsible for for overseeing. That's an excellent point. And I think it's one of the things that makes us somewhat unique in that most of the time regulatory agencies are run by faceless bureaucrats that people really don't have a whole lot of direct input in. And at the Railroad Commission, by electing the three heads of the commission, the general public actually does have control over the policies and the activity of the Railroad Commission. Right. You guys have open meetings and uh, citizens can come in and, and discuss things that might be, and they always have access to the commissioners as well to discuss things that might affect them in a positive or in a way that they're concerned about. So that's a really great uh, agency, in my opinion, to have that's being actually uh, implemented by being elected into this position as opposed to being maybe appointed by um, a Texas legislator. That being said, also, there's something very interesting about you as well. Uh, in the past, prior to you being elected as a railroad commissioner, you actually also were uh, in radio yourself. Tell me a little bit about that, <laughs> Chairman Porter. Well, for, for a short period of time, um, several months, maybe a year or so, I did have a talk show and KWEL out mm-hmm. in Midland. So I don't know if, if Craig Anderson's listening to this. Hello, Craig. I'm sure he will be. <laughs> <laughs> Where I basically, my, my profession is as, as a CPA, and we talked about tax, tax regulations, tax policy. And there I learned a very important lesson that uh, tax regulations bores everybody to sleep. But it's funny how we definitely want to hear and and need them when it comes time for paying taxes or (laughs) doing a tax return. A good CPA is so important. But it, it certainly was an interesting experience to do the show. And I also learned, and this is what I admire about you, I also learned that you think it's easy to talk for 30 minutes, but it's not. It's very difficult, especially when it's just you and a microphone. So it takes a, a special talent to, to do this, and it's, it's a lot more difficult than you think if you've never done it before. So true. I, I agree with that. But how does a CPA, who also has a brief radio show, go to being a commissioner for the railroad? Well, as you stated earlier, it's an elected position. I filed for the office, ran for it, and won. That's that. That's the, the short answer. My background, I was active in politics at a volunteer level for a long time, all the way through college, had worked in the Republican Party in Midland, Texas for 20, 30 years, had volunteered at all levels, had become very knowledgeable in the oil and gas industry. The vast majority of my clients were either producers, royalty owners, or service companies. I did a lot of work with service companies. 
And I also had a small company that I ran in Midland where I bought and sold non-operated interest, working interest and royalties. So I had a fairly substantial business background in the oil and gas industry where I, where I gained my knowledge and came to realize how really important this industry was to the state of Texas. And that's what motivated me to want to serve for a term as a railroad commissioners because I understood that this is really important. It's, it's not just a political office. It's not, shouldn't be used just as a stepping stone for a political career. Well, you know, uh, today's guest that we have um, has some assets in a company in the Midland area as well as an Eagle Ford. Um, so he should uh, definitely bring us uh, some educational information on the areas. But you, too, have some expertise being with the Railroad Commission as far as what is uh, the pulse right now out in, like, Permian and in Eagle Ford. Uh Give me uh, your thoughts on two years back, the permits, drilling permits that were being applied for versus where they are now. Um, I want to, first of all, though, say that, you know, it might seem as though uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there right now, per se, but I do not believe that. I believe that all these things that are occurring right now really needed to happen in order for us to get where we are currently. And while this might be somewhat of a, of a stagnant time for the industry, I believe it'll be a blimp on the radar down the road. And uh, sometimes you have to have some kind of pain in order to grow, and I think that's where the industry is. So talk to me a little bit about two years ago versus right now and, and tell me what you think on, on um, what I believe to be what's happening right now in the industry. Well, well, certainly the amount of permits are probably 30% of where they were two years ago. Making a prognosis for 2016, I imagine they'll stay somewhere in this neighborhood unless we get a dramatic change in prices. Uh, and hopefully any dramatic changes are going to be up rather than down. Right. But uh, about... Two years ago, prices really started going down late summer, early fall of 2014. And I can remember in the summer of 2014 when I would go back to Midland and talk to good friends that were successful oil men in the industry at that point in time, I I started to get a little disquieting feeling from folks. And um, I'm not going to mention any names for confidentiality purposes, but Several people that had been very successful for a long time in the industry started telling me, said, you know, we're selling property, we're paying down debt, we're lightening up. This is not going to last. And I think people that are experienced in the business know that this is a very cyclical business. Right. And they did not get overextended. And now when I talk to those folks, they're they're looking for opportunities. Right. They're ready for the good bargains that are coming forward. And with that, we'll be right back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. 
Ron Hoover RV of San Antonio wants to say thank you, South Texas, for our best year ever. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, we are celebrating by giving 10, 20, and 30% discounts on our already discounted inventory through the end of November in all of Ron Hoover's massive inventory of over 1,000 RVs. Also, we only have two of our luxury Columbus Toy Haulers Texas editions left. Come today and claim yours. Call 830-981-9543 and speak to a sales consultant or go to ronhooverbernie.com. And remember, we sell family fun. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion. That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us. Info at shalemag.com. That's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g dot com. Or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, alongside with a very special co-host, Chairman of the Railroad Commission, David Porter. Chairman Porter, I believe it's time to bring on our guest, Dan Eberhardt, onto the show. Hello, Dan. How are you doing today? Uh, Good. How are you guys doing? We are great. We're having much better weather than we've had over uh, the past couple of weeks, so we're pretty excited to be back into studio and pass the holidays so I'm so glad to have you joining us on the show today. 
Um, you know, I've done a little bit of research on your company and your role, and I would love to have you give our listeners some insight into uh, who you are, Dan, and how you became uh, the CEO of Canary LLC. Uh, well, sure. So um, I'm the CEO of Canary. We are a an oil service company operating uh, throughout the U.S. Um, in We have about 30 locations, and in Texas, uh, we operate out of Odessa and Crystal City. And we are uh, one of the largest privately held oil field service companies in the U.S. Our core competency is the wellhead business, but we offer a host of uh, drilling and production services to oil companies. You know, uh, a lot of our listeners don't necessarily know that the oil and gas industry has different sides. They have upstream and midstream and downstream. And all these companies do work together to get the oil out of the ground and into our gas tanks. So... Service companies like Canary are part of that upstream process. Uh, how about telling us a little bit about what you guys do, one of your typical type of projects that you guys work on? Sure. So, uh, you know, one, one of our main uh, core competencies is the wellhead business. So we land the wellhead and the uh, other supporting and necessary equipment on the well for the oil companies as, as part of the drilling process. We also have... Uh, several other items that we rent to customers. And then we also, in addition to that, um, we have several production services like our uh, slick line, wire line, electric line services that happen at, you know, various points in the completions or production process of the well. So we really like to think that we offer a full, uh, full service for the life cycle of the well, you know, depending on what the customer's needs and wants are. I'm really excited that we have a service company in here today, and one of the reasons is I think it's important. People talk about the oil and gas industry and how important it is to the economy of Texas, and I think a lot of times people don't realize how big a portion of that really is the service companies. Everybody thinks about E&P, but I think the majority of the employment and a lot of the economic value comes from the service companies and i just as a ceo of one i just wanted to hear your comment on that well well sure you know i i think that a lot of times the, the oil companies are the ones that get a, a disproportionate share of the media attention and uh you know participate more in the lobbying on D, in dc and 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 the news media and this kind of stuff but but really you know on the ground the the service companies are where the majority of the jobs are and really are, I think, how an oil company's activity and decisions made in Houston or Dallas or wherever relate to what happens in the field in the Eagleford or the Permian, for instance. Um, you know, the, the service companies are the folks on the ground with the trucks and the jobs and the equipment and the know-how to execute in the field and actually bring a well online or kill a well at the end of the life cycle or, or whatever happens in between. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, the service companies are a critical component, and I think what we're we are where a lot of the jobs are, and the, the rubber hits the road in terms of the execution. Well, you know, y- your company is certainly not a stranger to the oil and gas field. So I want to go back a little bit and talk a little bit about the history of how you came to be the CEO and how long you guys, your roots, are in oil and gas. So can we go back a little bit and uh, start uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the beginning of how you Sure. Arrived. So, so I, I used to work for an oil field service company in Houston, and I joined together with a partner, and we went and bought a wellhead company in the Bakken in two, at the beginning of 2009. And since then, we've completed about uh, nine acquisitions, 
and really had a, a lot of tremendous growth, um, including uh, one acquisition in the Permian Basin and one acquisition in the uh, Eagle for Shale play. And um, it, it's really been, uh, you know, an exciting times, and we we're happy to be able to play a, a small part in the success of the, you know, the U.S. Uh, oil and gas boom and and the shale boom. Um, you know, obviously the last the last 18 months has been a, a bit more sober, and um, you know, a bit tougher. But I think you know everyone is facing uh, those those same economic conditions right now. Well, one of the things that I think makes your company so successful is having the insight and the education, which are uh, equally as important. So can we talk a little bit about um, your education and, and how it plays into what you're doing now? Sure. So, well, I, I have a, a BA from Vanderbilt um, in economics and political science and a Juris Doctorate from uh, law school at Tulane. Uh, but really a, a lot of, and, and those have been helpful and and I'm glad I have those, but, you know, a, a lot of what I've learned is, is working beside people and working for people and being involved with, uh, you know, drilling campaigns and programs and being on the ground. You know, the, the oil and gas business is pretty complicated, and just just when you think you have a good handle on, on the, the life cycle of a well and what's happening on a, you know, on a, on a site and, and in an oil company's office, you know, you learn a new angle and a new a new set of problems or, or logistical challenges that have to be solved. So it's it's really an evergreen process in terms of learning. I definitely feel like I'm always learning in this business. Well, I agree. Um, we have had a being in radio and having a great publication that focuses on oil executives and professionals. We've had our share of um, interviews with these great people. And I think when I look back, what they all have in common is the desire to continue to take advantage of the latest technologies and continue to develop and build um, while they do, of course, take advantage of uh, past uh, education and, and, and involvement they've had with other companies, I think their open-mindedness to new technologies and uh, different ways of doing things are so important in this time where it's still evolving it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, in trying to figure out how to do this better and greener and take advantage of the technology and keep an open mind by utilizing all the resources that are readily available or coming online um, sooner than later. So that's great that it seems like you guys are definitely out there um, in the forefront of this. Well, Dan, we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with In the Oil Patch after this. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. 
Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Bluebonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Bluebonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Bluebonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will punish your work trucks day in and day out and even your built ford tough trucks well they need to be serviced too so do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership or do you call teresa you see blue bonnet ford has teresa when you call teresa her team will pick up your ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days that's the blue bonnet difference so don't let downtime cost you thousands call teresa today and keep your fleet working here's the number 210-643-4391 Again, write it down, 210-643-4391, or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Bluebonnet Ford, a proud member of the Caleg Auto Group. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion. That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And we're back in the oil patch. Our guest today is the CEO of Canary LLC. And my co-host today is Chairman David Porter, who is with the Texas Railroad Commission. Welcome back. Thank you. Well, Chairman Porter, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to miss that we have had a historic thing happen in uh, oil and gas, and that, of course, is the ban that has been lifted. So let's talk a little bit about that um, and get Dan's input on um, what this means for the United States and uh, for us as a whole with lifting this, this ban. First of all, the ban had been in place for how long? Uh, since the early 70s, it's actually a product of the Arab oil embargo that we had back in the 70s. It was passed after that. Uh, I know about two, two and a half years ago, to give a little historical perspective, people started talking about doing away with the ban. And first it got started as far as exporting natural gas. And then a little bit later, people started talking about doing away with the oil oil export ban. Um, a lot of folks, even as much as six months ago, were saying it's not going to happen. We didn't think it was going to happen with this president. But in the strange way that things happened politically in Washington, D.C., it got done here in the recent uh, 
ominous spending bill, and um, the ex- oil export ban is um, has been lifted. I think my my opinion, and we'll see what Dan thinks and what feels on this here in a moment. But my opinion is it's definitely a positive long term for the industry. I mean, it's not going to pull us out of this price depression immediately. It's not going to be an instant savior. Happy days are not here again, but it's certainly a positive step forward, and it's going to be beneficial in the future to the oil and gas industry, as well as the entire American economy, in my opinion. Well, Dan, you know, you were definitely a part of being engaged with testifying. Can we talk a little bit about the export ban and and where your position is in, in this ban being lifted? Sure. So, yeah, you know, we at Canary and, and myself personally have been very, we're very active in trying to get that, uh, you know, the, the ban repealed. And we worked very hard at that through several different, several different measures and, and activities. Um, and, and like to think we played a, a small part in, in getting that over the finish line. Um, I, I think it's an exciting development. I think that, um, you know, the, the initial reaction, I think the, the chairman is right. I think it's more of a long-term benefit, a medium and long-term benefit for the oil and gas industry in Texas and in the nation as a whole. But I think the, the short-term, there's also short-term uh, results from that. You know, number one, um, we pretty much immediately saw parity between WTI and Brent. And for six years, WTI has been playing the laggard to Brent. So right. there are some short, short-term price support that, while not huge, I mean, let's, let's be honest, at, at this point in the, in the cycle for the oil and gas business, any, anything is helpful. Um, secondarily, you know, I think you're starting to see some, some cracks in the system and positive news. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen or, or the listeners know, but uh, New Star Energy in Conoco, you know, recently loaded a vessel uh, earlier this week with crude um, at the North Branch Terminal at the Port Corpus Christi yeah. for export. And that's, that's the first export of U.S. petroleum uh, from the lower 48 in, in 40 years. And I think that's terribly exciting. I also think that it just fits in with, with the spirit of what America is about. You know, how, how can we export, you know, furniture or cherries or broomsticks, but we can't export oil and gas? True. You know, when you the, have countries like Iran, that their sanctions are being lifted and they are now going to be exporting crude, which made no sense to me. Um, yeah, the, the the administration has been hard at work trying to, you know, get to where we where Iran can export crude, but you know the U.S. couldn't at the same time, uh, at that point, could not export crude. I mean, I think that's pretty contradictory, and that doesn't. And, and all of this is transpiring while the U.S. is trying to lead the effort to get the the Trans-Pacific uh, Trade Agreement passed uh, with all these countries. So, you know, I think there was definitely contradictions uh, abound. But I guess in some ways, that's that's the uh, results you get from Washington. But, you know, I was definitely glad to see this part of this ominous bill. And, you know, I was personally of the opinion that if it didn't happen in 15, we weren't likely to see any results until a new administration and a new Congress in 2017. So I I think it's helpful for the oil business in the short term. I think it's more helpful in the long term. And I think it's going to be, you know, a net benefit for the industry, especially um, in the medium term when the business cycle changes somewhat. Well, you know, there were a couple of heroes, uh, hero companies, one, one being your company, Canary, that really was very engaged in the process as, as uh, you know, privately held oil and gas, either producers or service companies that were really out there in the trenches, lo- I wouldn't say lobbying, but discussing 
the importance of this uh, with legislators uh, in D.C. And you guys did a good job. You should be proud that that basically with y'all's efforts coming together, even though this industry can be somewhat competitive, coming together for the greater good. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the discussion of uh, what do we see in the near future and the far future with this ban being lifted. And we'll be right back within the oil patch. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion. That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connected rural West Texas communities where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. And we're back to In the Oil Patch. Our guest today is Dan Eberhardt, who is the CEO of Canary LLC, and my co-host today is the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. Chairman Porter? Mr. Eberhardt, I just wanted to ask you a question. From your vantage point as a national company, kind of give our listeners a feeling of how what the on-the-ground activity is right now in some of the different major areas of the country that you're involved in, specifically the Permian Basin, 
uh, the Eagleford and the Balkan up in North Dakota? Uh, sure, and I, I think that's a great question. You know, I, I will say that, uh, you know, at this point in time and at this point in the business cycle, everything is relative, right? Yes. Um, but so, you know, I, I think that we have we have had uh, very, very crushing, uh, you know, headwinds and circumstances in the Bakken. I think it's been very difficult there. You know, that basin typically has a higher cost curve and, and a higher well cost than some of the other plays, uh, no, notably the, the Permian. Um the Eagleford has held up, I, I would say, better than the Bakken. But really, for us, one of the standout stories for the year has been the Permian has has kind of outperformed or beat the spread, um, you know, in, in a highly in a highly negative and challenging environment. Um, but we've found that the there's still you know fairly reasonable and robust activity levels in the Permian, even if the the pricing we're able to achieve, is, you know, would not have been ideal in 2013 or 2000. 14, but at the end of 2015 and here at the beginning of 2016, we're, we're definitely happy to have the, the work and the activity levels. You know, as usual, I think that the Permian Basin is the the lowest cost medium and medium or large basin in the U.S. and is is has more legs at this point in the business cycle than nearly any other basin uh, in the Western Hemisphere. And you know, we're we're glad to be there. Yeah, I think that is uh, a major consideration and as someone who lived in midland for 30 years i you know you can't say enough about uh the permian basin the the good hard-working tough people there are out there in the oil and gas industry and and, and the work they do but uh, and, and I, I i would add resilient very exactly <laughs> what what i want to know from you gentlemen is how does the export ban how does it affect the consumer um, in uh, and in what ways and in how and how quickly? Sure. So what you know, one one of the misconceptions, and I had several private conversations with members of Congress, and specifically with with members of the Senate on this, as we were trying to push this through and and answer folks' questions and educate them. And really, you know, this is something that people people typically don't know. But the the price of gas at the pump it has a closer correlation with Brent than with WTI. So by allowing exports, you know, you saw you saw those two narrow pretty quickly, and right. so and and converge, and so really it's going to have a net uh, positive impact on the price of gasoline. What what a lot of people don't know is, it's not this whole battle on getting the, the crude oil export ban lifted is is economically not really between the oil companies and the consumers at the pump as a lot of people think. It's really the net beneficiaries are really the refiners, okay. which there's a lot of yeah. integrated oil companies, so specifically the independent refiners. But so really what this does is really smooths the, the wheels to have a lower price of gas at the pump uh, because the U.S. can now export on the world stage, and that will drive the cost of Brent down and WTI up, if ever so slightly. And so to a large degree, it will have a negative impact on the price of gas at the pump. And I, and, and that argument was very convincing with a lot of members of Congress once you got past their kind of initial preconceptions. And um, I think that and the security uh, aspect are what ultimately, you know, enabled us to get enough votes in the Senate to move this along. I agree. We had a lot of coverage prior to, and it just always amazed me with the misinformation that was circling on why was this ban important to be lifted with just the average person and the information that was, uh, you know, being disseminated was 
really not helping um, better educate what was really going to be the important things and how it would benefit or how it would change things on a world stage for the United States as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the, the oil and gas industry, I think, typically does not do the best job at putting its best foot forward, you know, with the American consumer and with the American public. Um, and, I, and I think that's our fault, and I, and I think the industry needs to be more open and better at communicating on the export ban and several other issues, because I, I think that uh, a lot of times these other interest groups <laughs> or pressures from different sides really get the better end of the stick in terms of getting their message out with, with clarity and resonating with people than the oil and grass industry. And I, you know, I, I, I take you know, my share of the fall for that, but I, I think we need it to do better as an industry. No, you're, you're, you're right about that. The oil and gas industry is not the best at publicity, and that's certainly one of the reasons why programs like in the oil patch and uh, shale magazine are such a benefit to the industry and in getting the positive sides out. So I, I, I want to commend the radio show and the magazine for the work they do in getting an important story out as far as the economic benefits of the oil and gas industry not not just to the people in the industry but the entire state and the entire nation yeah i i think they're excellent excellent trumpets for the industry i agree you know um you know in saying that i appreciate you guys uh you know saying that we have for the past couple of years watched and i i wonder if that maybe the industry deals with a couple of issues one is uh, a lot of these uh, large companies are publicly traded and maybe um, discussing um, things publicly is maybe not in their best interest. But what we miss when we don't discuss things is people tend to listen to someone else. And usually these other individuals that are speaking have their own agenda, and that could be rather, uh, it could be uh, something totally different than a supporting energy and energy independence in the United States. And so what we really try to do is talk about the good um, energy companies that are doing things, uh, taking advantage of greener technologies, and um, and how many jobs are they producing. You know, when we uh, interviewed another large service company uh, in the magazine, what we what we were really trying to help our readers understand is that alone with what one individual that has like five states under his belt as far as employees is responsible for couldn't compete when we added together all of the employees of Google and Apple and they still did not produce as many jobs as this one you know major service company that only the the executive was only over five states that's pretty amazing the amount of jobs that are produced in the oil and gas industry not to mention their high paying good jobs for good companies And with that, you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us info at shalemag.com that's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g dot com or call 210-240-7188 again that's 210-240-7188 support for in the oil patch comes from the west texas energy consortium connecting rural west texas communities 
where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will punish your work trucks day in and day out and even your built ford tough trucks well they need to be serviced too so do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership or do you call teresa you see blue bonnet ford has teresa when you call teresa her team will pick up your ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days that's the blue bonnet difference so don't let downtime cost you thousands call teresa today and keep your fleet working here's the number 210-643-4391 again write it down 210-643-4391 or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Blue Bonnet Ford, a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. And we're back to In the Oil Patch. Our guest today is Dan Eberhardt, who is the CEO of Canary LLC. And my co-host today is the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. Chairman Porter? Dan, we're going to change gears here a little bit, but just wanted to ask you, where, where do you see the Texas oil and gas industry headed over the next decade? And do you feel like natural gas, specifically LNG exports, are, are the future? Uh, I, I think LNG exports are, are going to take longer than folks suspect, but will become a critical component of the oil and gas business in the future. Um, I, you know, I, look, I'm, I'm very bullish on the industry uh, as the oil and gas industry as a whole and, and our business in, in Texas, uh, both in the Eagleford and the Permian. But I but I think, um, you know, I, I am right now subscribing to the uh, lower for longer mantra, or at least, you know, I think the next six to 18 months is going to be pretty difficult for us in the industry. But I, I think that we are, you know, as happens with cycles, we're eating our seed corn a bit. And that's going to result in a, a spike or a super spike in year three, year four, year five. And we're going to be really busy with a lot of work. Okay. And going back to some of the stuff we've talked about earlier in the program as far as jobs are concerned, could you tell us, describe a little bit about what type of jobs that you have in your company, just so the listeners that aren't familiar yeah, with the service sure. industry will know what's well, out there? We've got a lot of folks, but I mean, we, we've got uh, you know technicians out um, you know in the in the field working on wellheads or frac trees, and you know and stuff on location. Um, we've got people in shops, uh, you know, assembling equipment, calibrating equipment, inventorying equipment. We've got um, you know our own in-house distribution, so folks driving you know uh, class eight vehicles around. We've got people with uh, class eight. Uh, licenses operating uh, cranes, uh, both on location and at our locations. We've got um, in North Dakota, you know, several uh, uh, hot oil and frac heating units that require people to have CDLs and uh, hazmat certifications. 
Um, and, and a lot of these are, are, are really good jobs for folks uh, that, that pay well or relatively well and, and keep folks busy and provide good, you know, good paying jobs for people to support their families and, and for people to have careers at. Um, and I, I think, you know, working in the oil patch, I think is exciting. Uh, I think it's interesting. And I think you get to do something that, that accomplishes something every day. Not that you can't do that in other industries, but what, what's, What's really been cool for me and what I really enjoyed the past five years is being a, a small part of the story of the shale revolution. And, you know, it's not only changed America, it's changed the world. And we really changed the import-export balance for the U.S., and that's really had implications worldwide. And I think it's, it's cool to be a part of that story as much as the, you know, the down cycle right now is, is painful or arduous. And speaking of that, as far as the worldwide story, what what's your opinion about what's going on with OPEC? Is it going to continue to be a force, or is it waning? Well, I, I think it's a paper tiger. I I, I think it's a paper tiger, and I, I think they, the, the crown in terms of the swing producer, the swing producer is us. They can't react quick enough. They can't agree. And, and I specifically think, you know, in the last 48 hours, Look, I mean, there, 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 there's a giant opening seam that's like opening before us the last, you know, couple of days even wider between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of my fears is, you know, do is, is the U.S. the net loser in that rift? You know, does, does Saudi Arabia's, you know, animosity to Iran, you know, trump all economic sense for Saudi Arabia? I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm no expert on the Middle East and. But what is the answer to that question, and what does that mean for us? Do you see that OPEC still continues, um, you know, two, three, four years down the road to stay in the position that it's been in currently? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see as as a talking shop and as an aggregator of data and as a, you know, vehicle to facilitate discussion, I don't see it going away. But if if no one, and by no one I largely mean Saudi Arabia, but I mean, if, if they're not willing to make a decision and act like a cartel, well, there's no cartel. Right. And, and if you see, you know, as, as painful as the, the, the oil and gas collapse has been in the U.S., the, the free market worked, and we reacted. You know, the U.S. industry has done what needs to be done to balance its checkbook and to recalibrate. And that's the success of the West, the success of the free market, and the success of America and the United States, I think. Not only did we, you know, invent or cause the, the shale revolution or the, the technology to get the oil out of the, the tight sands and rock, but we have proven that we can react to market conditions. I think the U.S. is the swing producer. I think OPEC has proved itself, you know, functionally irrelevant. We've had many guests on the show, and um, they concur with uh, what you just stated, which is that, uh, you know, the United States is the swing producer. The interesting thing, uh, prior to this ban being lifted, when we would have our economist, uh, energy-focused economist on the show, was, you know, when would prices go up and and how would the uh, lifting the ban, would it in some way uh, change that? And um, so now we're, I think, in, again, uncharted waters, uh, if you will, because we have not, uh, you know, had exporting for 40 years. So is this a matter of how fast do we ramp up um, or 
Um, is it going back to what some of the economists have said in the show that um, it's a matter of a waiting game when uh, a lot of that surplus is used up out there that uh, we'll start seeing uh, prices go up? And how long is that period of time now? Well, well, I, I think what's going on, I mean, you know, there certainly could be some kind of catalyst event in the Middle East True. That, that scrambles all the dynamics. <laughs> but it, it's, diffi- it's difficult to model that. It's difficult to plan that. I think the status, for, for us and our analysis and our kind of forecasting, I think the status quo kind of plan or, or modus operandi is is waiting for demand growth to burn off the supply growth. And I think that's a very risky strategy with, you know, is China stumbling? How much is China stumbling? Are they over-reporting their growth? But, you know, the IEA a year ago, they predicted something like 600,000 barrels a day of, of demand increase for 2015. Well, we're going to turn in a, a final number, something like 1.2 million barrels a day. That's really fantastic. And that's really, I think, one of the most un, un, un or underreported stories in the oil and gas industry in 2015. The demand growth has really been phenomenal. Now, it's been swamped and overshadowed by what's happened to the rig count, the oil price, the glut, the U.S. production is kind of stubbornly held up, you know, as, as some would say. But I think we're really in a position where everybody's staring at each other, nobody's willing to do anything, and so we basically are waiting for demand growth to clear the million two, million five barrels a day we're oversupplied. And I think that's complicated by um, the, the the probable you know increase in production coming from Iran. Well, one thing is for sure, you know, everything is dependent and reliant relied upon what's happening in the way of world oil. And I think that when we, you know, have these discussions, it's too easy to say what's happening here in Texas or what's happening in another shell play in the United States. And um, it really, truly has turned into uh, what is happening on the world stage is really uh, important to us all. And so things like lifting the ban and allowing us to compete were important just to be able to be on the world stage as uh, the United States. That's just my thought. Chairman Porter? I think you're right. It really is a world commodity, and it is a world market, particularly in oil. And I think that's what was finally recognized when the oil export ban was uh, repeal was passed. And I think we've got to not only look at what's going on in the U.S., but we've got to remember that as we look at foreign foreign markets. And I think it's amazing when you look at the fact that, um, you know, 18 months ago, oil was over $100 a barrel. Now we're below 40 or around 40. And the industry has, yes, it is contracted, but it is still out there. It's still functioning. We've got a lot of companies that are still in business and at least in the Permian Basin are still eking out a little bit of profit on a lot of their wells, that, that our industry is that tough, that adaptive. It is an amazing story both for American ingenuity and for the free market. As we're discussing the future, what, what do you see as the way we work out of this low-price environment or, or do we? Well, I, 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 hope, I hope we do, and I, and I hope it doesn't take, you know, 20 years or thereabouts mm-hmm. as the, 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 what happened in the middle 80s took, took to kind of burn off. But 
I really think that there's there's two different stories here. You know, I think we have a classic supply demand situation, and I think what what led us into the oil bust and the low commodity price environment is is oversupply, which was led by U.S. shale. U.S. shale, uh, you know, increased production from 2008 something like five million barrels a day. Right. The price collapsed because there were two million barrels a day too many. So if you do the math, I mean, the the U.S. is not only what caused that, we made up some of the ground for other countries such as Indonesia that have had falling production. So that's that's what got us in. And right now we have a steering contest where everyone's at the table and no one wants to cut production. And the U.S. production, which people expected to fall more heartily, has has been uh, very stubborn and resilient. I mean that kind of in a tongue-in-cheek positive way. And so now we have this kind of steering contest with everyone sitting at the table. I think the the repeal of the crude oil export ban, I think, gets us a little bit closer to the center of the table and gives us a little bit more of a voice. And I think that it it puts WTI and Brent at parity, which provides a, a little bit of upward pressure from where we were a month ago or three months ago or six months ago. But I, I really look to, I think to a large extent, the media has this story wrong, talking about supply this and production this and whatever. I really think the way out of this and, and the market clearing environment that's going to lead to a, a, a price shock on the on the other side of this or the upward end of the cycle, I, I think is really a demand question. And I think you, if you look at the demand growth in, in 2015, is that repeatable in 16? And how much should one worry about what's happening macro-wise in China, uh, you know, specifically with the markets yesterday and then the, their numbers and GDP growth in general, and then, you know, some of the other medium and large-growing markets, particularly I would say Brazil, you know, if you look at what's happening there in terms of demand growth, when is that going to make enough worldwide demand that we grow out of the current supply? Very well said. True. Um, Dan, it was so nice for you to come and join us in studio today. Um, it was great talking to you um, on behalf of Chairman Porter and um, myself and in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for your time, and uh, thank you for listening. No problem. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And congratulations, Dan, because you are the topic of today's trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com, you will win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Chairman Porter, what is the trivia question for today? Here's the question. Dan Eberhardt is the CEO of Canary LLC. What kind of service company are they? Do they operate in the downstream, midstream, or upstream? Remember, send your response to radio at shellmag.com. That's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And remember, the first correct email will win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. And that about does it for this week's In the Oil Pet. For Ken Bellato and Alvin Bailey, I'm Roy Holly. So long. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.